You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, good evening, everybody, as we're going to take you through your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, brought to you by the good folks over at Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com, be there, do that, get rewarded. Uh the Himalaya app, uh, guys, as always, uh, if you're looking for a new place to get your podcast, check out Himalaya, whether it's the Google Play or the uh, the Apple Store. Go ahead over there and get Himalaya, personally curated playlists, where I always tell you they kind of take that TiVo approach where they will start to funnel stuff to you. You know, based off the interest in the uh, the shows you follow and listen to, and different from most other podcasting apps is you can have some influence on each and every episode you listen to, whether you choose to comment, whether you choose to like and rate. Yeah, so go ahead, check out Himalaya, whether it's at the Google uh, st- uh, Google Store or whether it is at you know through the Apple Store. Go ahead, check out Himalaya. Pete Smith joining here. Um, the McCoy saga is over. Uh, it. I guess I'll just go with this before I kick it to Pete. Pete, maybe in the end, it didn't truly come down to about winning. Um, it's very hard to make the case that Carolina is going to be a, a, a winning football team or, or a meaningful competitor. Uh, They're the third best team in their division right now. Right. They were the third best team of the teams that offered him. They were the, they're the third best team in their division, and... Everything they've done in the offseason is more pointed to 2020 than it is to 2019, uh, especially the draft. Uh, you know, it, it helps Brian Burns, you know, being a rookie. But, it, again, that seems um, like that's a year away, uh, and this is a one-year deal, so we may be right back here in a year doing the same thing. Uh, he took less. Uh, and they do have some good players. K1 Short is a very good player. Uh, but they also have uh, guys that, you know, were good. I don't know if they're good anymore. Dontari Poe, that, you know, he, he, he used to be a freaking stud. Uh, he's not what, I mean, he's a functional quality player uh, for that role, but he's not, you know, he's not Dontari Poe that you remember with the Chiefs. Uh, you know, they mentioned uh, Bruce Irvin. Bruce Irvin's terrible. Uh, <laughs> Mario Ad- Mario Addison is 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 fine. Uh, he's making a ton of money. I mean, I, I just I, I just don't see the sales pitch other than uh, he gets to play the Tampa Bay Bucks twice. It sounds like that really mattered to him, uh, and it sounds like. Uh, he turned down more guaranteed money elsewhere to go after incentives with the Panthers, which I don't think he's going to get to. Uh, and if they're bad, it actually, you know, this is a thing teams do. There's no getting around it. They, they, you know, ownership, when they, when they see the writing on the wall for the season, there are owners that will basically say, look, you know, there's no sense in letting him get to these achievements and paying him out another couple million dollars. So to not you know, make go ahead and show yeah, so there, you know, there's there's more 
questions than answers. Uh, and then, you know, there's there's a thought that, that the Browns more or less finished third in this uh, in this in this uh, race. Now, again, what the Browns actually offered is unclear. There, you know, there's suggestions that another team offered twice as much guaranteed money, which could well be the Browns. Uh, but again, this is, you know, I said this all along in a world that operates on logic and facts, the Browns were the best option, you know, short of a money situation where it's a huge disparity. Uh, but you know, this isn't rational, you know, this comes down to, uh, could come down to other things and, and, you know, maybe Cam Newton's the one that sold them. I, again, I don't, he just picked up a football and is now throwing overhand. So I don't see the angle from his standpoint. Uh, I, I mean, you know, from a Brown standpoint, going from there, it's disappointing only in the sense that it's what it could have been. You know, the idea that they could have had four Pro Bowlers on a defensive line for I think the fourth time, third or fourth time since the merger. Uh, you know, the idea that they could have had that much talent uh, up front, and they have two other guys with Pro Bowl potential in that mix with Larry Ogunjobi and Jannard Avery. It's not, you know, some awful, awful death blow to the team. It's just, it's one of those things you would have really liked to have Gerald McCoy. And I think it does put uh, the focus on it. It's a really big question. I don't know what they believe or don't believe, but I'm hoping they will keep looking and keep trying to find some better options. But to this point, Sheldon Richards is the only guy they've added to that position, and he's Obviously, great. They need him to be a frontline guy, which is what he's brought in here before. But after uh, Sheldon Richards and Larry Ogajobi, we were back to the question of what happens if one of those guys gets hurt uh, for a couple games? What happens if one of those guys gets tired in a game? Who is the next guy up? And and we can talk about Carl Davis and, and some of these other guys, but the answer is we really don't know. Uh, and that's uh, not the end of the world, but if you're trying to make the case you're a contender or whatever, you know, that's a question you'd like to have the answer to. Well, you know, and the thing is, is, you know, Gerald McCoy is a really nice, would have been a really nice Christmas gift on June 3rd. Players of his ilk are not available this time of year. If they are, they usually come with either baggage or injury warts. warts. Um, Gerald obviously had some injuries, but no guy going through the NFL after nine years is not going to have them. So there's that. Um, the money thing, I, I, I don't, I, I'm with you. I think the Browns were in this, and I go back to my conversations with B.J. Kissel, and I brought up the name before, guys. Uh, B.J. is very, he would be the Nathan Sagara of the Kansas City Chiefs. And not to bring up a bad memory, but John Dorsey, when Mitchell Schwartz was available, it was on the phone with the agent. What are you guys looking for? Okay, let's do this. I, You know, if, if it was a money disparity, I don't... John's not the type of guy to waste people's time. If it wasn't going to work out, he would have never came to Cleveland. Um, if he's lost to the fact that he wanted to stay closer to home, and with, you know, his family obviously being in the Tampa area right now, he'll be there for one road game. New Orleans isn't far away. Obviously, Atlanta isn't far away. Eight home games in Carolina, which is probably about a two-hour flight from Tampa. I mean, if you lost this on location, there's nothing you can do about that. Um, it, it, you know, and maybe he wasn't truly chasing the money. You know, as Pete said, apparently there was more money out there to be had. It sucks because of what it could have been. It would have made 
obviously the defensive line would have been disgusting, ridiculously good. It would have made the linebackers' lives easier because that's how good the defensive line would have been. The secondary would have made their lives easier because you wouldn't have had it covered as long because on almost any play, one of these guys was bound to get home. But at the end of the day, look, um, this wasn't after, you know, between, you know, free agency, between the trades that were made, between the draft, this was something that was bantered about, but until Gerald McCoy actually became official and on the market, you had no way to know this. So you, you can't replay the way everything was done, but you're starting 22, you know, other than offensive line, but as far as, you know, defense and defensive line, it, it would have been a nice thing to have. It would have been a great thing to have, and it sucks that you lose just from because we want to see the point where it's, you know, this team, this franchise becomes the desired want to spot. And, you know, that's what McCoy was, you know, basically kind of flirting with that maybe, you know, he felt this way. So it sucks to lose from that aspect. And there is still depth to be needed on that defensive line in the interior, no doubt. Because you're going to, uh, you know, going to basically, you know, hope on a whole bunch of guys who have not really proved it to this point to be better than they are, you know, maybe, you know, th- th- there's still a move or two to be made there. And I hope if Gerald McCoy was somebody they had their sights set on and thought he would be a really integral piece, then, you know, don't leave any stone unturned here. Uh, you know, you have more draft picks next year than you're probably going to need. If there's somebody available or, you know, obviously, you know, cuts come around this point, you know, still be in on this. It, it, it don't make it just be Gerald McCoy or Bust Pete. There's yes, as great as he would have been, it doesn't mean that guys can't guys we don't know who could be available through trade. Uh, I know, and uh, Brent Sobolewski was always one Vernon Butler and Carolina. It's kind of interesting with him going there, but don't shut this door here and rely on just the depth that's in house. No, I mean, and that's you know if. It, that's why it stands out as weird that, that they haven't done more because so many other positions they're churning and trying to find guys. Yeah, like, uh, I mean, but, obviously, Danny Shelton. I mean, you're not probably not going to go after a guy that you traded away, but Danny Shelton on paper and on tape is better than any of the reserves you have in this building. So please don't shut this door that you don't need more defensive tackle help. Right, and unfortunately, he signed again with the Patriots, uh, which is For you know, nothing. Yeah, they're 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 doing those things to keep those guys going. Uh, so, you know, it, keep churning, keep finding guys. But it's weird that you would you know do that with other positions. There are there are guys out there. You've we've mentioned Corey Egypt before. Somebody mentioned uh, uh, Benny Logan is out there. You know, I don't know you know what those guys have to offer. I don't know if the Bronx have looked at them. I don't know if those guys have been in for workouts or any of that type of stuff. Uh, or if they're, you know, I, again, I think the Ravens are going to be a team that's going to dump somebody of use. Obviously, Carolina now is going to have to dump somebody uh, at some point that could be of use. Uh, but sure, I mean, it, look, you are in sort of a window where you, you can compete. And at the same time, you can be a little bit more uh, choosy in terms of what you want in a defensive tackle. So, I mean, you are still in the position where you can sort of off, offer guys and basically take time chase. I don't think uh, they need to be in a position to potentially hurt themselves from a financial standpoint. I mean, that this is, I, I, I don't think you can, you know, get away from the fact that Gerald McCoy was a really good player and would have helped them. But obviously it does 
lend them a little bit more financial flexibility, which they can turn to other things like Trey Boston could be a conversation that comes back up. Eric Berry's probably going to come up again at some point. Uh, the other part is I really like to get these de- deals done with uh, Odell Beckham and Olivier Vernon so we can turn to, you know, Demarius Randall again, if that's going to happen, Joe Schobert, if, if they can get that done, JC Treader, get these guys done with. So, you do get a clear picture of what 2020 is going to be like. So if you are in the market again, potentially for a guy like Gerald McCoy, who's going to be available uh, theoretically next year, that you can be in a position to make sure you can add those guys. But, uh, you know, the fact that Gerald McCoy is now out of the picture, I'm hoping that this, you know, now they, again, know what they have to work with and aren't planning around it, that they can make sure they get those deals done one way or the other so that we have a real clear picture of what things are going to happen. But, you know, like, especially with uh, Beckham and Vernon, those are deals that will get done. The agents are not going to let them, let them sit on naked contracts. They just aren't. Uh, and that, those do become avenues to potentially create cap room. So that's really the next step uh, as opposed to running right out and trying to get a guy. Now, again, Trey Boston's the guy that interests me. Uh, I think he's a really good player, obviously. I also, you know, he has familiarity with Wilkes. It sounds like he's trying to get more money out of the Browns than they're willing to offer. He's never getting that long-term deal he wants. It's- right. So, I mean, that and that that may be, you know, basically a situation where it, it just, you know, at some point it's just be sort of casually announced Trey Boston sides with, you know, whoever. It, it may be the Cleveland Browns at that point. And it's, you know, a one-year uh, deal that that could be a nice ad for them, and it may be later in the process, uh, you know, it, it, towards training camp and that stuff. So uh, the hope is you keep looking for players and you take care of some of these in-house things that need to be dealt with anyway, so you have more op- more ability to see where exactly where we're at. And look, I mean, you, Trey Boston, it could be something that is you know signed instantaneously because. You know, the, the deal is out there, the offer is out there, and, you know, for Trey, it kind of just seems like, well, all right, back to Uncle Steve, and, you know, just not getting what he wanted. But, you know, look, I mean, you, you use the money you were going to allocate towards this. Um, you know, obviously, you know, as Pete mentioned, you know, uh, you know, work out some of these deals with these guys. Um, and we've advocated for this forever, uh, get Joe taken care of slap a c on him and that's uh, you know i have no issue with that um you know as much as you know the mccoy thing stinks and it sucks because it would have been a tremendous it would have been the equivalent of you know odell to this defense because what you could have done at the defensive line but you cannot make things happen the only thing you can do is be into it and obviously you know gerald chose to go a different avenue uh, untucket.com. Uh, always thankful for the sponsorship of, of Lockdown Browns. Dads come in all kinds of shapes and sizes, and so should their shirts. Like tall, short, slim, relaxed. Ever wonder why your father's button-up look so long and baggy at the end of the day? It can be hard for guys to pull off a casual untucked look that isn't sloppy. That's where Untucket comes in. Untucket is the solution that fits just right. Their shirts are specifically designed to look great, untucked, and feel comfortable at work or on the weekend, on the fields, around the barbecue, whatever it may be. No tucking or tailoring required. Go to untuckit.com, promo code NFL, and get yourself 20% off. With all that being said, Pete, tomorrow, Browns kick off minicamp. And... Hey, Pete, 
Odell Beckham, Duke Johnson, all these guys are in tow. So when it's time for everybody to show up and be ready to go, and Joe Thomas, by the way, thank you for that today. Um, it, it's nice when you get to see the, play, the players get to – it's nice that Joe can step away and say, hey, look, enough of your crap, dude. Well, okay, first and foremost, he puts that out, and almost five minutes later he gets buried with the Gerald McCoy thing. So uh, that part Which, sucks. Well, you know, he did – to and look, you know, we all we love Joe, but to his point, Joe does seem to get a little company friendly at times, and we can go back to Sean Coleman will be just fine at left tackle. Um. So, first and foremost, he was more diplomatic than than I was, because uh, I. But that's not to say I was, you know, wrong. You know, out, trying to be necessarily mean. I just told it like I felt it was relative to you know, what, what Grossi's doing here in the article I wrote about it. Uh, but he's very diplomatic. He's basically trying to sort of, because he's now in the media, he, you know, in addition to being, you know, an ambassador for the Cleveland Browns, he, you know, it was as diplomatic as possible. He's trying to be friendly to what is now a somewhat a fellow media member because he's in the media as well, trying to give people sort of an insight on why, uh, Grossi would do this. The idea that you have to, you know, produce. He's effectively a columnist, even though he doesn't have a column, a column every day. I, I, that's part of the problem. Joe kept calling him a writer. He doesn't write anymore. He, he's a talking head. Uh, the idea that you know he needs to have something every day, and that and that part. Sh- is it requires no work to 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 basically take this position and and be the get off my lawn guy now the more important part of what joe thomas was talking about is what otas is really about and uh he made a really good point about wide receiver playbooks they aren't hard and bronze fans have should know this Uh, i know this i know this (laughs) they they got a first-hand look at this last year on hard knocks when Josh Gordon, remember Josh Gordon? That feels like forever ago. Um, he shows up, you know, Hugh Jackson going big fish, all that crap, big fish in the building. And then you have Josh Gordon pick up his tablet, look at it for basically a couple minutes and go, oh, nothing's changed as far as routes, really. And he was ready to go. That was, you know, in August or whatever. That I think that was August, late August. No, I, it was a Saturday when he came in, and I remember it because that was the day, the one summer activity I do was the Wiffle Ball Tournament, and that was the day he came in, and he was ready to go within three days. So Josh Gordon, you know, and, and look, I would, right there with it, look, you, you basically get him out. If you were going to keep this guy, you're basically going to just get him out, you know, out there for September, and it would be whatever. It's June 3rd, and we're worried about Odell Beckham, uh, you know, two, it's what is effectively two and a half months before Gordon would have arrived. You saw how quick and easy that was. Uh, but highlighting what OTAs is really about, and, and we talked about this uh, the last pod, is it's about, you know, getting yourself ready to play football. And 
you know, for Odell Beckham that, you know, some people want that team environment. You know, teams obviously love it because they can obviously see the players. They can sort of control it. They, you know, they, they, they love having, you know, that comfort of being able to see the guy out there working or being able to step in and all that stuff. But, you know, he's a proven player uh, that has shown he doesn't need voluntary practice, you know, mini camp stuff, voluntary team activity stuff. He understands what he needs to do to get his body ready. So, in that, you know, he sort of has earned the benefit of the doubt. The issue has always been injuries. And there are other things you criticize him with if you don't like certain things he's done on, on the field and off the field. Uh, and you can say he's a pre-Badonna. Those are all fair. But the, the, the issue with this whole grossy thing is it brings up the idea that uh, Odell Beckham's not a hard worker and there couldn't be anything further from the truth in terms of his reputation as a work, worker. The other part of this is, you know, it's getting to know your coaching staff. And and f- sure, he's going to get to know Freddie Kitchens on some level, but he's wide receiver. Coaches Adam Henry. You know, he knows him as much as he knows anybody in the NFL at this point. So, you know, th- those arguments sort of fall on their face. So, I mean, I get it from the standpoint, ju- just trying to be, you know, diplomatic and say, well, here's the media's point of view. And then he does, you know, say that, you know, he's grossy's wrong and here's the reasons why. Uh, which is the important part. I, I think the, there's three tweets in all. I think the second tweet is really, really good. It's sort of giving you an understanding of what, what this is supposed to, what is really supposed to happen with OTAs. So uh, it's unfortunate it got buried by the McCoy thing, but I do think there's a lot of value in what he said uh, and, and, and getting a sense of what it's really like. And obviously, you know, nobody's going to question his credibility on, you know, being a, a worker and a, and a player and all that stuff. Uh, even if you look at through the lens of, well, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's sort of, uh, uh, the ultimate good soldier and that he's going to sort of look out for the Browns. But I mean, in, in this case, he's got really good points to make that I think people really need to listen to. And, and hopefully he is getting to some of those people that are sort of, uh, on the other side of the fence. The problem is I think most of the people who, you know, that, that need to read this aren't on Twitter uh, or, you know, really, you know, position to see this type of stuff that they're, you know, they are getting their news from, you know, terrestrial radio and those types of things uh, that they don't see this. And maybe this will be a topic that comes up on those shows and, and they'll get it from that standpoint. But that that's the thing is I'm hoping, you know, the people who, you know, it's, it's, it's good for anybody to sort of get a better sense of what happens at OTAs, but the people who sort of are sitting there going, you know, he's setting a bad example. He's being paid all this money and not showing up to voluntary mini camps or uh, OTA stuff. You hopefully a few of those people are sort of going at least getting off the ledge with it and being like, okay, I, I sort of have a better understanding at least of where they're coming from. Well, and look, this is when it matters. There's nothing you can do about it. There's no way you can, you can't find them. You can't discipline them. It's OTAs. There is not a goddamn thing you can do about it. So just let it go. And as we said, RIP the funeral, the burying of it. It's all over. Um, and now we will actually get in, obviously, a little bit more to minicamps. Pete, this. I don't think there's a bigger storyline or something to look out for 
than offensive line. There's just no way. Obviously, you know, the rookie tackles, what is going on at right guard? How does Greg Robinson look? Chris Hubbard, how does he look in year two? Hopefully better than he looked in year one. This is what it is all about now. And it doesn't matter defensively whether or not Gerald McCoy is a part of this or not. You still have a nice starting front. Obviously, you still need depth there. But it's going to be the offensive line because it's you're going to need what was done that last eight weeks last year to be replicated in somehow, shape, way, form whatsoever. Uh, well, I think the offensive line is is, is uh, very important, I, but I, I do think the biggest the biggest story of minicamp is Duke Johnson. Um, does he go to Carolina? Sure. Does he go to Carolina for a defensive tackle? Right. I mean, the, but that's the question: is is he showed up mandatory minicamp? As of course he would. He's not. You know, this is I, the idea that this is surprising to anyone that they're going to mandatory things is, is mind boggling to me. Because they're not just uh, going to give up money. They're not going to take right. hits of $3,500. Nobody's going to give up money. These guys are not wired like that. Right. So now it's, you know, if Duke Johnson gets a media availability, how's that going to go? You know, what does that look like? And if uh, coaches get asked about Duke Johnson, they're probably going to, you know, say all the right things. But, I mean, is there going to be, you know, anything that gives you an indication of what's going to happen? I mean, I, you know, the, the big question you have to ask Duke Johnson if you're – what are they telling you about, you know, your status here? What what, what is your what what are, you, what are you hearing from them about your future as a Cleveland Brown? Because not only is that part of it interesting, I think that's the thing I want to see more than anything is Duke Johnson's media availability because he's the he is a guy who says a lot without saying a lot. His body language and the way he talks, he's uh, he, very smart. Uh, but he does communicate a lot with sort of his body language and different things. He's very polite, very nice, but he can sort of convey some things. Uh, he's always been a very good barometer for the locker room. Uh, and then, you know, what is he going to do? You know, is he just going to take carries? Is he going to be worked as re- some receiver stuff? You know, when Stump Mitchell was asked about him, it certainly sounded like he still views him. They still view him as a ring back. Is it a running back? And is it, uh, you know, more of a changing position type thing because, you know, maybe they don't feel like he's as good of a fit as those other guys. But, you know, in a world where they keep Duke Johnson, he could theoretically save you a roster spot because he could be a running back and a receiver, which is valuable. Uh, you know, and, and I, you know, I, I don't rule out the idea that he could be a punt returner because he's a really good open field runner. Uh, so there are a lot of ways you could, use him that can benefit you. He is under contract. I, I, you know, I don't think they gain much by theoretically trading him. Uh, so that, that story for me, but offensive line, there's no question. That's a big deal. Um, you know, there are t- three logical, rational questions being asked. Two of them are, can the two tackles that played last year continue to, you know, play well enough. Uh, and now, uh, Hubbard has a competition in the form of played some left tackle uh, and some OTA stuff, which is interesting because, you know, maybe they view him as a potential swing tackle. Uh, but, you know, can Greg Robinson, you know, in a contract year, step up and have a great year? Uh, you know, again, this is, you know, hits audition for the rest of the league, and there's every reason to believe he won't be here next year. But hopefully that's under the best of circumstances where both – both sides walk away going, great year, 
it's a you know you obviously know our situation we can't afford it but god bless you we hope you get you know all all, all the money you, you you know after a great year uh you, you you've got the chris hubbard situation and then the uh, the the biggest thing hanging in the air is who's going to be that starting right guard and you're not going to get an answer this weekend but you are going to get more you know sort of speculation and talk and and seeing some things happen that that's that's interesting and then you know you get past that just from an, a sheer let's see what we've got standpoint drew forbes brian finney and ganofo and willie wright are guys who interest me uh kyle kalis obviously can that keep going is eric kush gonna be you know he looks like he's got guys almost guaranteed a roster spot you know there there are like nine linemen already you can easily make a case for making this team and so it's not so much a guy guys making spots although again desmond harrison is he going to be out there? Is he going to look good? Is he a guy that becomes interesting for a trade prospect? Would like I think he is. The, there's there's just a, an insane amount of intrigue on the offensive line. It's it's where all the action should be. Um, you know, a lot, you know, some of it will be the shuffling of the defensive backs, um, the rookie linebackers. Obviously, you know, these are storylines that just you know find ways to you know end up being written pieces as opposed to just. You know, bashing on people. So, I mean, Cleveland media, you're going to have Siciliano in there tomorrow. You're going to have Aditi in there tomorrow. You local folks, you better be ready to go because uh, otherwise you're not going to get read. The major folks are going to be read. Uh, obviously, the wide receiver, you know, the wide receiver group, you know, with Odell, with Higgins, with Landry, with Callaway. But a lot of it will be about how it's going to shake up five, six, seven between uh you know a number of factors uh you know whether it's uh you know uh damon Sheehy's giuseppe whether it's ish whether you know obviously you know damian ratley and willies and that storyline there you know hilliard who still seems to be a nice story here at the running back position but the offensive line is where you have your biggest question marks and concerns so obviously you're going to see the way that works in that you know respect uh, and Pete, I guess the other thing would be is you know way, the way the quarterback reps are going to work after Baker. We all agree it's not going to matter after Baker, but to see some sort of way it's going to work out after Baker will be interesting at the quarterback spot. Uh, yeah. Uh, if if Coach Stan gave going to do anything, because you know I think his his. Uh, status is pretty entrenched. It's really about those next guys. Garrett Gilbert. Uh, we're eventually going to learn how to pronounce this dude's name because I don't know. I, I assume it's David Bluff. I've, I've heard you know any number of ways to pronounce it. The dude from Purdue beat the hell out of Ohio State. That's you know those are the guys that you really need to find an answer. And if neither of those guys is good enough, are they going to go get another guy? You know, are they going to you know are either of these guys enough? that they're going to potentially be someone who can be, uh, you know, a guy who makes the roster or a guy they want to put on the practice squad. Obviously that would lend itself to Purdue or the bluff from Purdue because uh, Gary Gilbert doesn't have any eligibility from that standpoint. Uh, But, you know, there are people who really think, you know, that uh, bluff has had some nice days. And then I remember the, you know, first couple OTAs that, you know, there were, there was some talk that, uh, you know, that anyone not named Baker Mayfield was genuinely awful and it, to the point where it was like holding practice back. So what, which of those is going to be, you know, reality in this situation? But yeah, I mean, it's Baker Mayfield, 
Coach Stanton doesn't really matter as far as taking reps, and then it's those two other guys. And and what are those? You know, who's going to be the better of that matchup? And and when does that start to matter? In, that's the thing. And look, somebody's going to have to show some wherewithal. And there's still the old adage of, look, if if Baker goes down, it ain't going to fucking matter anyway, guys. So uh, especially with all the moves you've made, it's all key input to the point. Of Baker Mayfield. I do want to thank uh, Grip6 Belt for their sponsorship of the show. The goal of Grip6 is literally to make the best belt that ever's been made. Grip6 is an easy, thoughtful gift for dads, brothers, husbands, uncles, grandpas, Father's Day is coming, don't forget it, uh, that you do even how now have a women's line out. So go ahead and check that out. Ultra lightweight with no holes, no flap, and it carries a low profile with the buckle laying flat against the, uh, the waist. Making the belt super comfortable, Grip6 is the only belt with no holes, no flap, and no bulk. Grip6 is a special offer for you at grip6.com slash lock, L-O-C-K-E. Uh, guys, the Father's Day is coming up. If you can't afford a big gift, a couple of little gifts, make it all worth it. But go ahead and check out everything over at Grip6. We'll get to a couple of listener questions here. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, the disdain of you know McCoy and you look at, you know, what was said and the way it all worked out definitely, you know, leaves you uh, with a little salt taste, What, but just is what it is. I mean, for me, it looks like it was location, and there's nothing you can do about it, Pete. You can't beat the fact that Carolina, other cities are closer to Tampa than Cleveland is. It just seems there's that. Uh, Dorsey seems to not waiting to sit on his hands. What move would you see or predict that would force since missing Adam McCoy? I, I think we've talked about this, maybe extending the guys in-house, but it would also be exploring maybe what would be the tradable defensive tackle market. Obviously, we've talked about Corey a million times. The thing is, again, not to close the door on the fact that you still feel you needed more at the defensive tackle group. Right. Uh, here's the, you know, so, you know, there, there was talk that, you know, the Browns sort of maybe overextended themselves with how much juice they put into the, their bid and everything and, you know, making it public. And I never, I never really bought that, you know, it, they're making a pitch for a guy. It didn't work. Uh, you know, I don't, you know, they, how they did it or unless, unless there's like some, Something with the offer that was jacked up. I find no real fault in anything else that went in this. Uh, I don't know how Dorsey feels. Uh, maybe he feels compelled to do something in response to that, but I, I tend to doubt it. He seems very uh, – if he's interested in a guy, he'll go in. A, I don't think he's going to – at least I hope – I don't think he's going to go out and make a move because this didn't happen necessarily, unless he likes that move, you know, unless there, there there's been a reason for him, whether it's Vernon Butler or Corey Legit or whatever. I, I don't think, you know, because they didn't do this, that all of a sudden that they're going to do something that they weren't already thinking of doing anyway. It, it may be going from plan A to plan B, but I don't think it goes, well, this didn't work. So now we have to come up with something right now and do it to sort of make up for this. I, you know, there's no rush. There's plenty of time from that standpoint. They can be patient and, and let, you know, opportunities come to them. Cause that's really what this was. This was an opportunity that sort of presented themselves that they tried to jump on. 
No different than Odell Beckham, no different than Olivier Vernon. Uh, aggressive, sure, but uh, you know, I don't think hasty uh, and rash are part of that equation. At least that, that, that's not the impression I get, and I certainly hope that's not where this ends up going. I wouldn't say, like, uh, let's just go grab Eric Berry now because we didn't get Gerald McCoy. Um, it would be based on the positional thing. And, you know, you would maybe go realize and, you know, and chase down. Well, not realize, but chase down. Look, we need more at defensive tackle. And I don't care if it ends up that all these guys, the younger guys, whether it's Price and you know other names whatsoever, if these guys step up their game, that's fine. I, You know, it, you would think that your interest in Gerald McCoy felt that you felt you were lacking a defensive tackle and you wanted to bring more in there. And eventually you do want to get to your goal where, yes, we want to be able to have the maneuverability, the flexibility to play anywhere between seven to nine guys on game day on the defensive line position and guys who have varying roles. Because even with the front four that you're starting, you have experience everywhere. Miles can go inside. Olivier can obviously play both spots on the outside. Um, Sheldon Richardson can play outside, so don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't think John's going to go into a a rush haste move, but to continue to explore the defensive line market, I do think that is something that's going to continue to happen, and that'll lead actually into our next question here. Um, with the McCoy deal out the window, can the defense hold up to elite? I guess the defensive line, can it hold up to elite QBs or is this offense going to have to keep the lead for it to be effective? I'm not so sure one hand essentially washes the other. Uh, The offense, you have to believe that they're going to put up points, they're going to put up yards, they're going to move the sticks. But you do want to, and hopefully this maybe is something that this team got, Pete, last year was there were times where they were up and you know games got a little closer. But a lot of that was just because there were a lot of people in this building who had never been in NFL games where they were up, and you hope they start to get more of that closing mentality as far as just, you know, you know yes, sometimes games are ripe for the pickings late in the third quarter. So, you know, I think some of that will be some of these younger guys growing within the NFL. So, you know, I still think defensively, yeah, there, there should be enough intel. Uh, the answer is no, they are not going to suddenly not be good enough. They added two massive pieces, you know, with, with Olivier Vernon and Sheldon Richardson. Those are massive acquisitions. Uh, what Gerald McCoy represented was the opportunity to have the best defensive line in the NFL uh, and, and really have no one to argue otherwise. Uh, it gave you, you know, it theoretically gave you something that just nobody else had, an overwhelming advantage that you could just sort of throw out there and potentially not only end games, but potentially keep you in games or win games. I mean, you know, you're looking at this and you're, you, you know, you get, you start thinking to yourself, is this like the Giants when they, you know, beat that undefeated Patriots team and they've got, you know, Justin Tuck, Michael Strahan. Jason Pierre-Paul and all those guys, and you're sitting, you know, they just always had another guy coming. The Philadelphia Eagles, when they won the Super Bowl, it was a similar deal. That is sort of what that represented. But they're a really, really goddamn good defense right now, at least talent-wise on paper. I mean, that's not a question of do they not have enough to, to field it. It's do they have enough to per, per, uh, keep bringing the pressure. 
sure. have a good answer behind them. If God forbid somebody goes down for a couple games or or even a game, you know, do they have an answer for that? And and Gerald McCoy represented room for error. He represented the ability to stay fresher. He just was just dominance was on the board, uh, uh, an option there. And now you just have to settle for having three guys that have been to Pro Bowls and two more guys who could go to Pro Bowls. Yeah, and and. and that's a hard reality to really deal with when you only have five guys who can kill, kill the quarterback. Uh, but no, I mean it's you know it's a that's a bummer not to get him, but you're you're still really good. Miles Garrett is still here. Miles Garrett is phenomenal. Olivier Vernon is really good. Sheldon Richardson really good. Olivia or uh, Larry Benjobi and and Jannard Avery coming off of the pass rush summit with Von Miller, guys who are looking to get better and, and potentially take another big step forward. They should keep looking, but those five guys are still terrific football players, and they've added behind them to hopefully, you know, help them a little bit by getting Greedy Williams, by adding Morgan Burnett, by maybe getting something, a nice little something out of Jermaine uh, Whitehead, to getting uh, uh, Sheldra Redwine and and hoping uh, that leads you something. They've got a lot of fun toys, and it's obviously got to put together and make it work, but they are still Really, really good on paper. Well, and the other thing is, is there's two ways you can look at this. They can go in tomorrow and say, "You want to know what? Everybody goes in a little down, and you know what? Gerald McCoy didn't come here, whatever." Or they can be like, "You want to know what?" And you know, and I know a lot of Twitter people because I've seen it. He wasn't that good anyway. Don't go that route. Gerald McCoy's a fantastic football player. Or they can say, "That's fine." All right, we're good, and we'll roll on tomorrow, and we're going to go into this, and we're going to let everybody know that even though it's Baker Mayfield, even though it's Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Odell Beckham, David Njoku, yeah, start talking about the freaking defensive side of this ball, and we're going to go out, and we're going to be looking to body bag some quarterbacks week in. Go ahead. Look at this. Think of the difference between, you know, where the Browns are and where they have been. You know, previously, a free agent going falling through like this, it's same old Browns. I've got to know. take a trip to Cleveland to establish better market value. That's the way it used to work. Well, I mean, it's one of those things where it's same old Browns. Nobody wants to play here. You know, the Browns made a really good case from a really strong position. It did not take. But that's okay. You know, you're still in a really strong position. You're really in a good op- good position where, you know, Gerald McCoy may not be the guy who wanted to come here, but there are guys who definitely do. Yep. You can attract, and and it may be a better fit. And ultimately, you know, Gerald McCoy is a terrific football player. There's no getting around it. But you know, him not coming here may have to come here. That maybe better fit or just better for their situation or whatever. So it's, you know, let's, let's see what, uh, you know, where this goes. Look, I mean, the dance, the dance, uh, you know, sadly, you know, Gerald McCoy went home with somebody else. At the end of the day, look, you were in it and obviously you were in it to the end. And look, I'm just going to go with this. I don't think it was about money. I think it was about location. And it's just not something that they could control. Pete, anything? Missed anything? Uh, I don't think so. I think we're square. Uh, yeah. Unless somebody else got arrested. See? Uh, no, I mean... Well, that was the other one. Everybody, yeah. How about we call Mohammed Wilkerson now? <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's... Uh, 
That's another. That's the route they really want to go right now. That's curtain Z. That's not curtain C. That's curtain Z. I hope, I hope so. You know, again, this is one of those things where. But no. But the other thing that was this, he was always more of a three-four player. Anyway, I don't know how he fits here. In you know, and to ask a guy like him, where he you know most of his career he put up stats and hey, can he go be the guy on the interior and you know do the assignment and and he's lost the burst he's lost the gap penetration no 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 just the the skill the the game isn't you know and and to look at it in because we always feel this way but the talent over the last two years is not worthy of it's not right again this is one of the things where you know at what point do you get burned by a guy you know can chance giving him the third chance giving him the 18th chance and and muhammad will is a guy who has burned up a lot of chances. And, uh, again, it feels like one of those things. And again, you can tell me, I, oh, sign him for a one-year prove-it deal. And, and sure, that's you know that's an option. But He is not the guy you asked to prove it. He's not. He had no, the I mean, big, fat deal, and he bailed on that. Right, but the other part of that is again, if if he and again, it's you know, people can can say, well, DWI, it's not as you know, he didn't rape anybody, he didn't do any number of other things, he didn't go on a killing spree. It's yes. just a downward spiral of it all. But the other part of that is, it you know, you take a shot on one of these guys, and you know, they they make you pay for it in a bad way. Let's say he goes out and kills somebody, uh, getting behind the wheel, you know. I'm sorry. I you know Leonard Little with the Rams sticks with me and what they did with him putting him back on the field is really difficult to forget and I really don't want the Browns to be in a situation where they they get that and I don't know how many people even remember Little you know got behind the wheel too drunk somebody died and they put him on the field. You know, that's not where you want to, and I get it. It's a wins business, and well, you hope maybe you're the only one who remembers Leonard Little. I, I don't want to have to remember you. like that nope. for guys on the Browns. I want to, you know, I I like having Miles Garrett on this team, where you know the dude might be Batman. Uh, you have Baker Mayfield, and he's and, also and all these Clark guys. Kent. <laughs> that too. I mean, he he just seems like he, you know. You have so many good things going for you, and I get it. You want to win, and 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 this guy can maybe help you win. I I just. At some point, you've got to draw a line and be like, we've, we're, we're good at, we, we got enough in terms of issues we want to sort of have to rally around and, and try to uh, deal with. Well, and at this point, look, if you need somebody, and you know, and I have no problem addressing this you know, at the defensive, you want to move a couple of picks from the 2020 draft where you have a still a good amount of picks, do that, uh, but just gamble on a guy who deserves the gamble on when you are going to basically sacrifice future assets find that freaking guy um guys uh pete what's in the browns maven hopper i i know you've been around and i you know i know the first one was uh you know gerald mccoy wanted to go to a winner but chose maybe a team that's not going to win in the nfc uh so i I've got four articles up. I'm going to have a fifth one. One was talking about, you know, Larry Okajobi and Jannard Avery going to Von Miller. Uh, pass Rush Summit, Marcus Mosier of about yeah. seven different places, uh, doing a redraft of the entire league. And he has Baker Mayfield and Miles Garrett go uh, with some really, really high praise. 
Uh, I, I, I wrote about the Joe Thomas. We thing bust about- his we bust his chops, but he's definitely a fan of what Cleveland's doing. Uh, yeah, he uh, he, you know, when you have those guys go that high, that says a lot. The two, you know, the 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 real foundation pieces, the two guys, you know, are that high. You know, and he he's not a Browns fan. He he covers the Raiders. He covers the he covers the Cowboys. He covers. He lives in Pennsylvania. <laughs> he's all over the place. Um. That you know, there are people who you know genuinely love the talent the Browns have. It's not just you know people here, and in some cases, you know, I think with Miles Garrett is is a lot of people are still underrating how good he is in Cleveland and that the, the the area. So those things, uh, Joe Thomas, I, I expounded a little bit on on some thoughts with that. And then, you know, yeah, Joe McCoy, and, and here I'll have another one with Duke Johnson here in a second. It's going to be interesting the way it plays out for Duke. Um, guys, uh, Pete's work over at Browns Maven. Make sure you're following at Browns Maven, brownsmaven.com. Uh, Pete Smith uh, at underscore Pete Smith underscore. Um, guys, look, we, we appreciate you guys tuning in for these episodes, and we appreciate having things of this nature to talk about. We can always put episodes together, but it's nice when we have this news and look, it's going to be mini camp this week. So we'll have a lot to cover with that. Do, uh, I have a episode with Stephen Thomas. That'll drop here. Hopefully, you know, this will drop first. Stephen, you'll probably get tomorrow. Samantha Button, we're going to sit down with Wednesday night, but it's nice to have this week where we have football stuff to talk about and not the, the speculation. There should be some concrete type of stuff to put together, which is, an absolute blessed. The Locked On Browns Twitter account, always a follow back. Best way for you guys to funnel information to me that you would like on the show. Me personally, at underscore, uh, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Go ahead and throw a follow over there. Uh, can't thank you guys enough. This is, we're getting closer, guys. We're getting much closer here. Obviously, late July is when things will get hot and heavy, but we got something here to get us through. And still, knock on wood, nothing off field to talk about this Cleveland Browns franchise currently, which is hopefully we can continue until we get to camp. Uh, continue. Uh, thanks to the folks at Hotels.com. Thanks to the folks at Untucket, the uh, folks at Grip6, the folks at Himalaya. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LOB. Browns.